0: So I'm going to share with you today about the spiritual man. I'm going to cover first a few things about the carnal man, and then then we're going to look at the spiritual man. And I believe what I'm going to share with you today is really going to help you. In fact, a lot of the stuff I'm sharing, I was never taught as a kid, hence my um, slow growth. But what I'm sharing with you today, if you grab a hold of, it has the potential to totally change your life. And I'm not just throwing that away as a line. It truly does. There's not too many people speaking about the spiritual man and how to to grab a hold of that and run with it. So I'm going to share some stuff today. There's one or two little things that are going to be a little bit out there at the end. But you know what? Here's the thing. If you don't understand it, just park it on the side and come back. Is that all right? Cool. So Holy Spirit... Let's go. And I, brethren... Have you got one, Corinthians 3.1? Yep. Yep. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as the carnal, as the babies in Christ. So we have spiritual people, carnal people, and we have natural people. The natural man has never passed from death to life. Their, their spirit... Every, every single person who's born on planet Earth is a spirit being because every man and woman is created in the image of God God is a spirit so man is a spirit you may not be aware of your spirit but God sees you today as a spirit man or woman yes? cool in fact I believe your spirit's created even before you enter your womb God says before I even formed you in the womb I knew you anyway that's another subject I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it and you're still not able. The tragedy of, in the church today in some realms is there's a lot of people that aren't able to eat spiritual food. And as soon as you go beyond the very basics of Jesus loves you, this I know, and that's wonderful. Babies need milk. But babies don't win the world for Jesus. Yeah. Babies don't withstand the storms. Baby, babies don't fight the the enemy. Babies don't deliver people from demons. Babies just suck milk. And there's a place to be a baby and we need milk, but there's a time where we'd go from being natural to carnal to spiritual men and women. And when I say spiritual men and women, this is not an age thing because there are babies in Christ that have been born again for 50 years. So you can be a spiritual man and woman and be 10 years old. So we have the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. Now I want you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes. Yes, there is a book called Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament. It's part of those pages that maybe not have been prized open. But there's a classic scripture in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 5. As we look at the carnal man. The carnal man is a man or a woman that is... is Controlled by the physical senses, by circumstances, by their mind, their will, and their emotions. They are easily manipulated by circumstances because how they feel, what they think, and what they choose is being dominated by their physical senses. So it's easy for the devil to destroy their day. He just changes their circumstances. Instead of the sun, he sends the rain, You know, figuratively speaking. So if you've got Ecclesiastes 10 verse 5, it says, There is an evil I have seen under the sun, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, while the rich sit in a lowly place. This is astounding. I have seen servants sit on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. Now, didn't I teach you last week that in Luke 17, verse 1, there's a parable about the master and the servant, and, and the disciples want to increase their faith. And Jesus said the way to have great faith is you've got to live by the Spirit. And he said to them that the master, he, he makes sure that the servants, feeds, the servants, when they come in from working all day, they feed the master before they get their due, And Jesus was saying to us that the soul is designated to always feed the spirit. So the soul's job is to make sure that it obeys the spirit, feeds the the spirit, it subjects itself to the spirit realm. Now with that in mind, if servants are a picture of the soul and the master is a picture of the spirit, let's read this scripture again. While the rich sit in a lowly place, I have seen servants on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. James says that we put bits in a horse's mouth and we can cause it to go in any direction we like. The horse is is where we are directing our life. And this passage says that there's a servant sitting on a horse. The reins of our direction for our life are subject to a servant, not the master. Do you see this? We are allowing our soul to direct the course of our life While our spirit walks along holding the horse, having no say over our life. And and Solomon says, this is crazy. It's actually the opposite way of how we're called to live. And so most people, their souls are sitting on the horse and their soul is directing their life. Whether I feel happy today, sad today, whether I feel loved or, or not loved. And he's saying it's crazy because they're living back to front. Put the prince on the horse and get the, get the servant on the ground where he belongs. Yeah. The role of the soul is to do what the spirit says. Yeah. My spirit says, I am loved by God. It's hearing the voice of God. And I say to my soul, you will obey what God says to my spirit and you will come into agreement. Yeah. We are called to walk by the spirit. The Bible says, walk by the spirit. And you'll never fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you live in the spirit, it is impossible to sin. For God's seed remains in us. Whenever we sin, whatever that sin looks like, it can be all sorts of things. It means that we're living in the soul. For it's impossible to sin in the spirit. That's why Jesus never sinned. Because he he lived in the spirit. And Solomon's saying, this is crazy. The reins of our direction are handed to a soul that has no capacity to lead us. Our soul is designed to hear the voice of the spirit, to articulate that and dispense that to the world. Well, that's interesting, isn't it, Andrew? I have a theory that right through the Bible, whenever we read about women and men, yes, there are lots of, lots, of, lots of layers in the Bible. So this is what you need to understand when you read the Bible, that there is many different meanings. There's that literal meaning. There's hidden meanings underneath, multiple meanings. Now, the Jews, they understood that. Every, every Jew understands there's multiple meanings. We, we're literal. It's like, if you read it, it's just one meaning. But underneath, there's a whole lot. So in the Bible, the Bible talks about marriage between a man and a woman. So it's a picture of men and women, but it's a picture also of the spirit and the soul. So remember, I told you in the Bible, God never heals a man of barrenness, and He never heals a woman of blindness. There's no, tr- uh, there's it never happens because spiritual sight comes from sight comes from the spirit, and incubation comes from the soul. So with that in mind, it's interesting that it says that Eve was birthed from Adam. Yeah. Do you get that? Yeah. She was supposed to serve him. Now, now, Just forget about men and women for a second. You know, if, you're, you know, if you're flying your, your flag for women and men, I'm, I'm all for women and I'm all for men. Okay? So, so don't get distracted by the, the gender issue. I'm talking about the spirit and the soul. Yeah. Eve was formed from Adam. Our spirit was created first. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So our spirit man, the spirit part of it, is the dominant uh, part of our life. And the soul comes out of that. And the job of the soul is to articulate and to dispense the the mind of the spirit to planet Earth. Now, that seems crazy to us because the majority of us are carnal. I'm carnal. Many times. (gasps) Yes, yes. And you're carnal because whenever we're not living in the spirit, being directed and moved by the spirit, we're being carnal, fleshly led, relying on stimuli from our senses around us rather than the voice of God. Now, that's a problem because deception comes via the soul. The Bible says Adam wasn't deceived, Eve was. We go, oh, that's a bit unfair. But that's the way it went. Because the soul is the realm that is able to be deceived. The spirit will never be deceived. Here's the thing. If you live in the spirit, you will never, ever be deceived in life. For you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth lives in the spirit realm. So so Satan comes to Eve when she is alone. What does that mean? Whenever you're operating out of your soul and your spirit's nowhere to be found, Figuratively speaking, that's when you get taken out. You know, I I know what it's like. I know what it's like to minister in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. And you think you're bulletproof and, you know, I probably don't need to pray or read my Bible for the next day because I'm so amazing. And it's like as soon as you step out of the Spirit, the consciousness of Holy Spirit living in you, you are fair game for the enemy. So he waits for Adam to be disposed of, going somewhere else. And he comes to Eve and he deceives her. And because she's deceived, Adam has to follow her. This is my theory. Some people think Adam made that choice. I, I think that I think that he knew she didn't know. She got deceived. He knew. He followed her because it's a picture of Jesus and the, and the, and the church, right. but it's a picture of the spirit and the soul. Wherever the soul goes, the spirit has to follow. That's right. So that's why you can go places and you are polluting your spirit, you are, you are crushing your spirit because you're taking to places because of your body and your soul that your spirit doesn't want to go. It has to follow your body and your soul. Right. You're understanding this? Yeah. So Adam follows her. And he's banished from the garden, cut off from the life of God, and for the first time, he can't relate spirit to spirit. All his, all his input, naming the animals, Seen Eve, all the choices that he makes it's spirit to spirit. Now that's cut off. The life of God is cut off from Adam. So we are designed to receive our information from something. We are, that's the way we're designed. So instead of from God, he now begins to receive it from outside, from the physical senses. Yeah. For the first time, he is being led by the five physical senses. Yeah. Are you getting this? Now, that's a problem because the devil is a master of manipulating circumstances. So before the enemy couldn't get to him because he's getting his direction from the Spirit. Do you get this? When you're receiving information from the Spirit, the devil is powerless because he can manipulate circumstances, but it doesn't matter because you're getting your information from the Holy Ghost. Are you getting this? So Isaac sowed in the land of famine. All the circumstances said, don't bother. Go to Egypt. Isaac's hearing from God, don't worry, Isaac, I've got a plan. You're going to sow and you're going to reap a hundredfold. And when they all come back, you're going to be the man on top and they're going to have to buy food off you and you're going to go from the tail to the head. Are you getting this? And so the same for you, when we live by the Spirit, we're not manipulated by circumstances. When we live from the soul, the enemy knows carnal Christians. So he manipulates everything around you and he takes you out. This is what happened to Adam is in a whole new circumstance. That's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. And so we've got a whole body of Christ. When I say a whole, I don't mean everyone, but there, is, there are so many people in the body of Christ that are living carnal lives. So we come to church and get our little minds stimulated. pastor preaches a nice little sermon. We sing a few songs. It's religious tradition. But it's a lot of it's soul. I don't know about you, but I hear stuff and it's it's like it's soulish. And I, I can't even explain why, but it's just, it's out of the soul. It's clever. It's smooth. But it's soulish. And the thing is, whether you're praying for people and Hopefully, I'll get time to talk about this later. If you're operating soul to soul, there is never any change. And in fact, witchcraft comes in. And and I get freaked out. But but the enemy gets an opening through soulish prayers. But when we operate spirit to spirit, life transformation occurs. That's why Paul says, I command women in church to be silent. And all the men said... (laughs) And we... So, so what you can to understand about that is, yes, there was a, a historical context, you know. And I don't want to get into that, you know, women were yelling and the men were, you're saying, it out at home. There's a whole context there, but I'm talking today from a spiritual context. Yeah. Think about this. He says, I command the women to be silent in church. I think at a deeper level, Paul's saying, no carnal Christians operating yeah. in the house of God. Hmm. James says, don't be just a hearer, but be a doer. Or I should deceive yourself. In other words, he's saying be led by the Spirit and not just hear. Don't just mentally assent to, to following Jesus, but let it go deep into your heart. And it's only the man or the woman of the Spirit that can be a doer. That's why people are so confused with it when they read 1 John, because they, 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 they get it all back to front. And what John's saying is, He's exposing the carnal Christian because he's saying whoever has the seed of God can't sin. And I think, I used to read it as a Christian as a young boy. I think, oh, flip. I can't be born again because I sin all the time. I used to avoid one, John, because it was quite a depressing book because whoever looks at his brother and hates him, he's worse than the murderer. And it's like, oh, flip. You know, I've murdered a lot of people today. But what he's saying is, whenever... See, all these instructions are signposts to say you're not living in the Spirit because you can't love other people unless you're in the Spirit. So, he, so that's why John writes to children. Yeah. Who else? To sons and to fathers. He's saying you're going to start off as a child as a carnal believer. But then you're going to get the Word of God and you're going to learn how to overcome the evil one. Then you're going to become a father. So don't freak out here. I'm just showing you where you're located right now. And if you're having trouble loving people, if you're having trouble obeying God, it's because you're not living in the Spirit. But you have an anointing with you and the Holy Spirit's going to teach you how to live in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. So my quest and... No, just being totally honest with you. Sometimes I fail miserably. Is to walk in the Spirit. And it's been a journey, particularly for the last 17 years. I had a prophetic word over me just when I started pastoring this church. So Margie and Orlando, they've been here that long and I don't know how they've done it. They've been very gracious to listen to me for 17 years. But they would have seen that slowly the Holy Spirit, hopefully they've seen, will keep praying, that he changes people so they become less carnal and more led by the Spirit. And that prophetic word said that I begin to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit and discern the difference between the Spirit and the flesh. And when I heard that word, I really had no idea what it meant. But God begins to take us on a journey of leaving the carnal lifestyle. That's led and driven by the soul and embracing the realm of the spirit. And it should be intensely practical and able to be lived out in your family, your marriage, your workplace, in your ministry, everywhere around you. If you're a high-powered businessman, if you're a mum that's bringing up beautiful children, living by the spirit is what God's called you to do. And it's a key to great success. The enemy won't be able to get in and manipulate you and take you out because you're operating spirit to spirit. So no more carnal men and women in the body of Christ. We make a decision today by your grace, Lord, that we're going to be men and women of the spirit. So I believe every day that we wake up, we need to affirm that. I am a spiritual man. I speak to my spirit. I say, rise up. This is how I pray. I pray. Rise up to ascendancy in my life. Soul, take a back seat. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my Spirit. Now, I know He's there, but I'm, I'm acknowledging Him and I'm giving Him the right to move. Would you flow through my Spirit today? And would, there, would you allow today a flow from your Spirit to my Spirit, to my conscious soul and into the world around me? I submit myself to your leadership today. Simple prayers like that. They just acknowledge Holy Spirit and our spirit. Because our spirit often is severely neglected. And so we thank you, Father, that you've made us a spirit being. In Jesus' name. So you ready? Second part. 1 Corinthians three, one. Go back to that. So the carnal man, the spiritual man. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men and women, but as the carnal. Our spirit man, Paul calls the inward man of the heart. Sorry, Peter calls the inward man of the heart. That's a problem, isn't it? Because it's hidden. And if something's hidden, it's hard to find. You've got to look for it. It's an obvious. That's why there's a lot of carnal Christians. And he says that spirit man is hidden in our heart. My understanding of the heart in the Bible is the heart is a combination of the spirit and the soul. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living, it's powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between the division of what? Soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We see the connection between the heart and the soul and the spirit. And the carnal man's spirit is so suppressed and clouded that it's really difficult to distinguish what's soul and what is spirit. They've lived a life where the soul has so dominated their spirit it's been fed such a lifetime of deception. Their spirit man has been so passive that the word of God has to come and divide between soul and spirit. It needs, we need a work of God to come in by the spirit and distinguish between what is the soul and what is the spirit. Because our spirit is hidden in our heart. That's why the Bible says that we are to believe with all of our heart. That's talking about believing with both our spirit and our soul. That's how we get born again. There has to be a yes and amen, not, not just between heaven and earth, but both our spirit and our soul must say yes and amen to be born again. I'll give you an example. I've led people to the Lord, Joshua, on the street. I've almost forced them in my younger days. You must be born again. You'll go to hell if you don't get born again. We badger them into praying the sinner's prayer. But it was just up here. And they were no more born again than when they began because they prayed a prayer from their soul and not their spirit. And it's the spirit that comes alive. But there must be an agreement. You must believe with all of your heart, the spirit and the soul must come together and say yes and amen to his provision. Amos three three says two can't walk together unless they be in agreement. So this spirit man is hidden in our heart. It's closely connected to our soul, but it's not our soul. It can be divided, but it's part of our heart. It's the hidden man of the heart. And our quest is to discover it like a man that finds a treasure hidden under the ground. It's like the parable in Mark 4 that It says that that no lamp should be hidden under a bushel. It shouldn't stay there, but we take it out so it should shine for all the world to see. So we discover that hidden man, the heart, and we begin to release it to all the world. Right through the Bible, Jesus is talking to us about the hidden man of the heart. Now, this hidden man of the heart, as I said last week, is complete when you're born again. Ephesians 1.13 says that we are sealed by the Holy Ghost. We are made righteous and holy. So as we cry to God, holy is he, he cries out over us and holy are you. We are made in his image, perfect, free from accusation, without blemish or spot. Our spirit man is complete in him, but a complete baby. And that's okay. It's complete but undeveloped. So, your job in this perfect spirit, like, like I said last week, it's like a baby that's given to you. You can't pick, like, I use the analogy of Michael, I use it of Amy today. When I held my darling first daughter in my arm, she was the love of my life, and uh, she looked like a mother, and she had a father's brains. <laughs> but she couldn't be any more my daughter if she tried. She was complete. She was a McGrath. she was perfect. But she's a baby. So all the inheritance that belongs to her, all her dad's wealth, his cars, his boats, his holiday homes, his private jets, they (laughs) all belong to her. But not yet, because she's completely undeveloped. And it's the same when we're born again, we are complete, but there's this area that needs to be developed. So Jesus grew in wisdom and favour, with both God and man. His soul's being developed and his spirit's being developed. When he was first born, he was, his spirit was complete, but he learned obedience. He learned wisdom. He learned to walk with the Father because he was showing us how to live. He was doing it as on our behalf. So this perfect spirit will continue to grow until it gains total ascendancy over your soul. Did you hear that? That's God's intention. That you would be, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, that you would be complete. Spirit, soul, and body. Notice the order. Do you notice the order? Spirit, soul, and body. God is at work. And, and the next verse says, I think, verse 24, and faithful is he who also will do it. God is on a mission. And he was going to complete you. Spirit, soul, and body. He's going to make sure that your spirit man gains the ascendancy. Why? Because that's what you need to be complete. And there's a world that needs you to be spirit led. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll quickly show you how it works. I've got a couple more things to share with you. Ephesians 1.17 Paul prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Paul's praying, listen carefully, don't miss this. He's praying that wisdom from the Holy Ghost would come from from him to our spirit. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That's what I pray that prayer every day. I pray, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that that, that is you to come to my spirit man. And then he prays so that the eyes... Of your understanding, your Dinoia, your imagination, will be enlightened. That word enlightened is photizo. In other words, what he's saying, as we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, spirit to spirit, this is what happens: there comes a picture from our spirit to our soul of who we are. Yeah. The eyes of our soul would be enlightened, or there would be a photo from our spirit of the reality of who we are. And all of a sudden, as we're worshiping, as we're fellowshipping Holy Spirit to our spirit, there comes a flash. Do you know, all my sermons come that way. I'll be walking around the room, praying in the spirit, and all of a sudden, there'll come a flash. And it's like a photo from my spirit to my soul, and I begin to perceive what my spirit has always known. And sometimes it takes me hours to unpack one flash from the spirit realm. My spirit can comprehend things just like an instant. That's why Ephesians says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, yeah. according to the power that's worked within you. He's saying, in the soul realm, there's almost unlimited scope beyond what you could ask or think. So much we can develop in our soul. but he's saying there's even a greater power in our spirit, according to the power that's worked within us. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. All that you could operate in the soul because he lives in your spirit. And in the spirit, there is no impossibilities. And in a flash, you can gain a revelation that takes you a lifetime to unpack in your soul. So Paul prays and all of a sudden he gets pictures from heaven about his calling. Pictures in heaven about the glorious inheritance that God has placed in the saints. Pictures in heaven about the exceeding greatness of the power. Do you know that power isn't just the power that you're operating now, but that power is the power that was exerted in Jesus and you were in him to get you from an old creation to a new creation. Do you realize that the greatest power the world has ever seen was invested in Jesus and you to get you from one dimension to another dimension? So in other words, the fact that you are a new creation is, a, is evidence to the greatest display of power being released in your life. Wow. Are you getting this? Yeah. <laughs> to go from death to life required the working of God's power that is greater than what created the world. I can prove that easily. 50 chapters centred on the tabernacle, which is who you are on the inside. Three chapters centred on the making of creation. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and the power that was exerted in you, you were in Christ 2,000 years ago and God God raised you up from the dead. All of hell tried to keep you bound, and God released his power. So the moment you are born again, you are born into a release of the greatest display of God's power. Come on. Give him a hand. And we begin to get snapshots from heaven into our soul. I could spend a whole day, in fact, I've got all this teaching on those three things, that, that we begin to get a revelation of our calling who we are called to be. See, identity comes from the spirit. No man knows the things of a man except the spirit. If you take your identity from any other place but your spirit, you are deceived. Your mum and your dad, circumstance, nothing. Nobody can name you or show you who you are except your spirit. That's why many people suffer with bad identity because they're carnal. They want someone to pray for them, sows of them, you know, drip them with oil. And they're all good things. But only your spirit can tell you who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So as you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, spirit to spirit, he begins to say, you are my beloved son, and this is who you are. Wow, isn't that amazing? See, only Adam could name the animals in the garden, not Eve. Why? Because the Spirit is the place where protection, covering, and destiny is released. So there's a lot of soulish stuff that comes out. We we operate in soulish realms over our children out of our own fears or our own desires to want the best for them. And we're operating out of the soul and we're condemning them to a life that God isn't in. I'm talking to someone today. Are you hearing me? You're operating out of fear and out of your own agenda for what things even you never had, rather than saying, God, what do you want for my child? So the spirit has to be the place where leadership and direction comes from. So are you ready? I'm just going to give you an example now. Are you ready to hold your hats on? Is that cool? The human spirit is designed to cover, protect And to lead the soul. Did you hear that? Your spirit inside you is designed to cover, to protect, and to lead your soul. I, I just showed you with Adam. His job was to cover Eve. Whenever he wasn't there, she was exposed to the enemy. It's designed to lead, protect, and to articulate the plans. That's what Adam had to do. Whenever he wasn't there... Eve was deceived. In my operation that I had a few, a uh, number of months ago, a couple of months ago, I began to discover a whole realm of the spirit that I didn't even know existed. The spirit's work is to protect the soul. Now, think about this the soul can protect itself during the day. Yes? It's conscious. It's like if if the enemy speaks to me or people upset me, I can resist that. But as in the night, it becomes more vulnerable. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Why? Because your soul becomes far more vulnerable when it's less conscious. Okay, When we are awake, we are totally conscious, hopefully. When we sleep at night, we are less conscious. So our soul has a protection mechanism called... And what happens when the enemy comes at night through nightmares and all sorts of terrible things around us? Our soul can awaken us out of our sleep. So we wake up with a shock. And that's the soul protecting you. It can be the spirit, but it's, it's also the soul that wakes you up that short circuits the enemy's work. Is this making sense? So when I went into that operating theater, I wasn't aware of all this. And so what happens, and this is just a by the way, but what what I'm trying to do is explain how the Spirit will protect you and lead you and guide you. When I went under the knife, my soul was unable to wake up and unable to protect. And I won't go into all the details, but a number of events happened in that operating theater. The Lord warned me that something was going to happen. And I knew the warning, but I didn't know what to do with it. And so my soul was exposed and my spirit was relegated to some far place. I hadn't called it to protect. I hadn't spoken to it. I wasn't aware of it. And so my soul was vulnerable. And in that one hour, I got beaten up spiritually. You say, can that happen? Yes, it can happen. Because my spirit wasn't performing in its role. So that's what it means to be a carnal Christian. Wherever your spirit is not... Leading, guiding, protecting, you are vulnerable. That's what it says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. Don't give the enemy an opportunity. Well, it means that we can give him an opportunity. It means that we can give him a foothold. Or else the, the Bible wouldn't say, don't give him one. So he can get in when we live in the flesh, when we're carnal, when we operate in strife, yes? When we operate in anger or unforgiveness, we open up an opportunity for the enemy to come and rage in the realm of our soul. Proverbs 18, 14 says a man's spirit will sustain him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. That word sustain means he will support, nourish, affirm the validity and the justice of. So your spirit, while your soul is not able to defend itself, it will affirm who you are and will and bring justice For who you are. It begins to fight on your behalf. So, in other words, if Adam had been with Eve when the enemy came, he would have said, Not on my shift. He would have said, You're not touching my wife. I know you're a deceiver and a liar, and you have no authority. The soul has no real ability to do that, to, to push away the works of the enemy. It has to be a work of the spirit and the soul. We must live. In the spirit. If you are soul-led, you'll be manipulated by everything around you. Good. Yeah. There's a whole lot more I could share on that, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. That we need to call our spirit man, who is filled with Holy Spirit. We need to say, Father, I thank you today that Your Spirit lives in my spirit. And, and you don't get weird about it. Don't get worked up. But just acknowledge Holy Spirit in your spirit, and say, so I'm going to be led today by. I choose to be led by Your Spirit. Lord, protect me through my spirit. So if anything comes that's not of you, that my spirit will alert me, awaken me, protect me, lead me into the right place at the right time. Does that make sense? So people have come into this church, I've told you, and they've been sent by the enemy, and my spirit man alerts me before I even know in the soul. Protects the church, protects us. So as we finish today, we can choose to live by the Spirit, praying in tongues is a great place to start on that. If you've never, been, uh, never received the gift of tongues, as our prayer teams out here today, calm and receive the gift of tongues. Because that, what that does, it, it, it makes you aware of the Spirit. Here's a here's thing before we finish. Whatever you give voice to becomes a dominant force in your life. If all you do is talk verbally, like your English language, from the carnal aspect and I'm not saying that's wrong we need to communicate but if that's all you ever do if you don't live by the spirit if you don't articulate the voice of the spirit if you don't get into the word which is a mirror into your spirit your spirit man will always be relegated but if you choose to articulate the voice of the spirit your spirit man comes to the fore and then you can be led by the spirit protected by the spirit covered by the spirit So Holy Spirit, I just release right now into the spirit of every person, divine revelation. For some people today, it's like I get bits of it, but that's okay, isn't it, Holy Spirit? Because you're the one that takes us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from grace to grace. You're so good, you're so kind, and you lead us in such a gentle way into new realms of discovery of who we truly are. So I call every spirit of every born-again believer that can hear my voice, I call it to attention. I say over you that the Father of spirits has designed you. And even before you were formed in your mother's womb, he came up with you in his mind. And from his spirit, he created you as a spirit being. And then he placed you in your mother's womb. And everything about you, your body, your soul, your spirit, he is intimately acquainted with. And he pronounces his favor and his kindness and his approval over you. And I just pray right now, Father, that every voice of disapproval, of confusion, every work of the enemy that's got into people's soul, that's tried to define who they are, we break now in Jesus' name. And I release your affirmation over their life, spirit to spirit. I release your leadership over their life, spirit to spirit. I break all the works of confusion. And you know what? Even right now, I sense that the enemy would come and try and steal the seed that's been planted. So I take authority over every work of the enemy, any distraction, any confusion, And I ask, Father, right now that this word, which I know is from you, would settle in their hearts. And you would take each person on the journey of living spirit to spirit. Show them how it's intensely practical. It will help them to be better husbands, better wives, better workers, more, more fruitful in your kingdom. We choose today to live from our spirit. So we say, spirit man, Arise within us. Right now, just before we close, speak to your spirit man. Affirm your spirit man. Say, I acknowledge, Father, that you've made me a spirit. And I ask right now, spirit man, rise up and lead in my life. I want to be led by your spirit, Holy Spirit, and then by my spirit. I affirm that. I have ears to hear and eyes to see. Move in my spirit today. And I ask, Father, that every religious thought would humble itself before your grand plan to make us men and women of the Spirit. So, Father, release your Spirit into their spirit in a fresh way. In Jesus' name. Would you just lift up your hands just for one more minute? Thank you for making us spirit, men and women. Thank you that we can communicate with you. Thank you that we can live in your realm. Thank you that this is what you designed. This is what our heart aches for. And we get so distracted with so many things in this world But you designed us to live spirit to spirit with you. So fill each and every one of us afresh this day.